You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. We want you to demand more from your money. So start by knowing what you own and what you owe. We'll help you take the next step at fidelity.com slash demand more now. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hey, everybody. If we sound a little different today, it's because we're coming to you from Her Money headquarters. We are out of the studio recording in our own office building this week because when Carl Richards flies nearly nine thousand miles from New Zealand to New York City has time to record and your studio is temporarily unavailable you just make it work mm. and if Carl's name sounds familiar it's because you've heard him before right here on the her money podcast in fact we last checked in with you right before your big move to New Zealand which if I remember correctly, was supposed to be temporary. We will get to that in a second. For those of you who are meeting Carl for the first time, you might know him by a different name. He's the sketch guy. Yes, he's the man behind the sketches that we love and often share on our social channels um, from the New York Times. These are very simple and yet brilliant sketches that take complicated financial concepts and just make them easy to understand. And they've served as the foundation for Carl's books, The One-Page Financial Plan, A Simple Way to Be Smart About Your Money, and The Behavior Gap, Simple Ways to Stop Doing Dumb Things with Money. He's a certified financial planner who's out with a new workshop geared toward helping couples talk about money. And it's called talking about money. Love that. Carl, welcome. It's so nice to see mm. you. Gene, thank you. That's I, like I can't think of very many people that I would rather be talking about money with. So it's a, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thanks. It was supposed to be a year and now it's forever, New Zealand? Yeah, Is that we what happens? We don't Yeah, I uh, we like to joke that we're two and a half years into a one year trip to New Zealand. How's it different financially? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um I've traveled all over the world talking about money mm -hmm. and it's no different than anywhere else. Like you're not allowed to talk about that. Right? You just don't money, sex, politics, and religion. We just, for some reason, somebody told us we weren't allowed. What's interesting about money to me is it doesn't seem to be an American problem. It seems to be a human problem and we're just dealing with different pieces of it at different times. What was it about being in New Zealand that made you decide to embark on this talking about money project? Uh, I don't know that it was anything necessarily about New Zealand. It was more just the traveling that I was doing and realizing we're still not doing it. Like, it's just, I think at the root, right? Like, I honestly think that all of the personal finance work that so many amazing, dedicated people are doing is sort of hacking at the branches until we can get to this root of, I think, two things. Awareness, just simple awareness, yep. and talking about it. Awareness about who we are and why we behave the way we do, rational or irrational, yeah. that awareness? Yeah, and I, I'm thinking even like, we can go sort of really specific, like spending. Like, if uh. you want to talk about budgeting, like until you can just simply notice what you're doing, 
right? Like, oh, isn't that... In-? I mean, it's an interesting story. I used to go to Jimmy John's all the time in Park City. I think it was the number seven. And I probably bought that sandwich, I don't know. I, I don't know if a hundred times is an exaggeration, but a lot. Mm-hmm. One day I was walking out with it, and I was walking out the door, and I realized if somebody was at the door and said, how much did you just spend on that sandwich? I wouldn't have been able to tell them within... Fifty percent, right? You know right. what I mean. Like, like I, right. I knew swipe. it wasn't twenty bucks. You swipe, and I knew it wasn't two dollars, but I didn't know if it was. So I was like, "That's fascinating to me." I bought this sandwich a hundred times. I don't know how much it is. So I noticed the next time I went that it was seven dollars and forty-eight cents or something, and I didn't play any blame or shame game. I just was like, "Oh, that's interesting. Seven dollars and forty-eight cents." So I think this simple level of awareness and like. Is it actually aligned with what I say is important to me? Does it bring me any joy? Right. Because I like I want to spend more on the stuff that's aligned. I totally. And less. Just be cool if I could get more of the stuff that I enjoy. And and but be aware of that. Because a lot of the stuff that we think brings us happiness or joy, it doesn't actually when we stop and think about it. Yeah. Here's what I'm super curious about is the sort of yes, yes opportunities where I can spend less money and I feel better. Mm-hmm. Not, not because I saved, but just like I replace it with an activity we, that was better. Yeah. I mean, I make coffee at home most of the time and I make Starbucks coffee at home most of the time. And I like the way I brew it better than I like the way they brew it. And I heat up the milk just like they do. And, it, you know, I buy a bag of Starbucks coffee for what it would cost me to buy two cups. And it lasts mm. a week. Mm. Right. So mm. and that was a very intentional substitution. Right. Yeah. I'm getting what I want. I'm getting it for a lot less money. I feel good about yeah. that, which is not to say I'll never walk into a Starbucks and buy coffee. Like yeah. if I'm on the run and I need a cup of coffee, yeah. I'm going to get coffee and that yeah. coffee is going to make me happy. Like that coffee in, in my new book, I've got a chapter on money that brings you joy, right? right? Like That coffee, I want that coffee. I might need that coffee. Yeah. Uh, that coffee is intentional and it makes me happy. Right. So no, we, I was going to make sure that we didn't get seven minutes in and already start beating up on people for buying coffee. It's no. exactly the opposite. Know what you want and right, go right. out and get it. I've gone through the exercise of tracking my spending. I know where my money goes and, and, yeah. and I, I, I'm with you. It is eye opening. Do you, do you think that helped you when you tracked your spending? Oh my God. Absolutely. Because, yeah. Yeah. well, it, it, first of all, yeah. who's interviewing who here? <laughs> that was, I told somebody, I was like, my goal is to go take over Gene's podcast. Yeah. That's my so, goal. <laughs> it made me incredibly uncomfortable. Mm. In, you know, the first mm. the first week or so I did it made me incredibly uncomfortable. I did not want to have this information. I needed to have this information. Yeah. But, you know, to see all of those small, meaningless expenditures that I could care less about where if I had taken all that money and I put it together, I could have saved it, which I definitely care about, or I could have done something with it that made me feel really good about that. And so when I tell people to do this and that it will change their lives, I know what I'm talking about. I think that concept of leakage which is what I think of that yeah. stuff as like, maybe I can give you a, one quick example about that spending thing. Cause I love this story. I had a friend who I'm going to change his name just because I have permission. We'll call him Steve. 
Steve, we were playing this game where I just said, hey, let's see, as you spend money, I just want you once a month to look and just ask a simple question. Is it aligned with what you said was important to you or not? Just simple. And we'll give you a pass on all the utilities, right? You just say yes on all the utilities. But anything else, just, just yes or no. No judgment, nothing. And they, he and his wife found one expenditure that he spent. Every week he took a friend to lunch. And this friend was going through sort of a multi-year tough time mm. and didn't have a lot of other people to talk to. It's 50 bucks for lunch. My friend Steve was like, yeah, that's totally aligned. It seems reasonable. But the next question was, is there a substitute available? Like, could, like what's, what's the value that you're aligning here? Friendship. Okay, cool. Great. Could you go is for a Is it worth walk? investing? Yeah, that's exactly where they came with. They both live in Salt Lake City, Utah, up against the mountains. They both love to hike. And it never dawned on Steve. He's like, wait, what if we just went for a hike? Right? And, and so now we've got this experience where you're like, the 50 bucks, he automatically shifted that to an index fund. Yep. That's being invested in the future. I'm still getting the friendship in a better form, right? Like everything was better. There's nothing about that that's about, oh, like I have to be deprived and like yeah. there's nothing. So I love those examples where you can find those moments where you're like, cool, I get to invest in a value, something I say is important to me. I in a better way. My wife and I figured out we don't like going to movies. I mean, we sorry, I should be careful. We don't like going to movies with friends as much as we like having friends over for dinner. Okay. Right? Because at movies, we don't talk. Right. Right? So we can have that connection at dinner. And it turns out it's, it's a little bit less expensive than movie and at dinner to come to the house and go. That's a side benefit. Right? So that's what I mean by awareness. Can we just pay attention to what we're doing with it? Because you could find we spend an insane amount of money on outdoor gear. It's embarrassing. But I'm it's, shocked. But it's what you love. But we've gotten to the point now where we're like, I would. My wife asked that question. She's like, "Well, would you have changed any of that?" I'm like, "No, no. I bought." You mentioned my picture paddleboarding with mm. Amanda Steinberg, who mm-hmm. was the former owner of Daily Worth, which we acquired to launch her money, and I bought not one but two stand-up paddleboards right. um, because I wanted to be able to do it. With a friend, yeah. you know, I wanted to be up, able. To, I've got it. Yeah, just yeah. come and, and my daughter mm. Kelly. I wanted to be able to share the experience that I love, and you know, you amortize the cost of those boards with the number mm. of days that mm. you're out. You know, they last for a decade, yeah, right? I love that. So, all right, we're getting back to your project, yeah. right? Yeah. When couples talk about money, we get a lot of questions from from people Mm. who have trouble talking with a spouse or a partner about money. And because they have trouble or know they're going to have trouble, they just don't do it. But you've set up a system of ground rules that you give people to take the um, complicating factors out of it. So can you talk us through those? Yeah. Yeah. I think the first really important piece to this is understand like, yeah, surprise, surprise. That, right. that it's hard, right? It's hard for everybody. And the reason it's hard is because nobody taught us. Like, no, in fact, we've been taught the opposite. So you just don't know how to do it. And I think the second piece that's important to mention about why it's hard is you're expecting a rational... Because if you were taught anything, you were taught that this was a math and spreadsheet problem, right? Two plus two always equals four. 
doesn't matter how fearful or worried I am. It right. always is. So you think that's what. And then you go to touch it, and boom, it's electric fence. So what do you do? So I think the first rule, I, well, I don't know which order is the right way to order these, but no shame, no blame, I think is really important. This is almost like a mindset. It's like a ground rule before you enter the conversation. We have this huge tendency to feel or place shame on either to feel it ourselves or to help somebody else yeah. give the gift of shame to our spouse. Same thing with blame. And neither of those are productive in any way. Right? Like shame serves no... This is different than guilt and responsibility. Different. Right? Shame, Brene Brown's work makes it clear there is no... Upside. Upside. Zero. Right. Upside. So if the goal in this conversation is, and there's an event that happened in the past that had a negative consequence, and the goal is to learn from it so you don't repeat it, shame and blame have no role in that conversation, right? So I actually like people to wear no shame, no blame hats, right? Or just write with a permanent Sharpie across your forehead, no shame, no blame, before you have the conversation. Maybe not a permanent Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a washable marker. Yeah, what we joke about is like, just print, print the, there's a little sketch of a hat. Print right. that out and tape it to your forehead. There Whatever you, you need to do, just remind yourself. So no shame, no blame. Um, the, the other rule that's really important to me is the timeout rule. And I think it's important that you agree beforehand um, that either party has the ability to call timeout at any minute, and you agree what happens when, that, when, when somebody calls timeout. Now, calling timeout sort of on the other party is beneficial to know. I think you need to know that, look, I, I can hit the eject button if this goes sideways, before it gets too sideways. Have you ever done that? Have you ever called timeout? Oh, my wife calls timeout all the time on me. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm the, I'm the far more... Yeah, she's Why? always. Like, what was the last time she called timeout on you for? I, now I'm learning through her training to call timeout on myself, and that's the other thing that I think is really important is to just realize, like, and I think it's all about energy levels, right? If you start to notice, if you become defensive in a conversation about money, it is a sign that your energy level is low. Like, you don't have to ask any other question. Like, if I feel like throwing darts, or I'm defensive, like I'm being attacked. It really, it almost doesn't matter what the other person is saying or doing. It's really a sign that you're, I like to think of it as basement level thinking. And I'm there often. And it's just because you've been running around. I mean, think about when these conversations often happen. Right. You know, we've both been running crazy all day. Sit down, open the Amex bill, and suddenly boom, right? So time out. So the last time wasn't too long ago in New Zealand. I resulted to my, our sort of... Um, yeah, I, I ended up in the same place I often do, which is super scarcity. My wife super got this abundant mindset from her childhood even. I've got this scare, scarcity mindset from my, my parents being divorced when I was eight. And ever since then, I was like, tomorrow. Right. right? Is there going to be enough away. money tomorrow? Yeah. My wife's got the opposite, and not in a spendthrift way, but just in a like easy come, easy go. Money's an opportunity. Her parents were entrepreneurs. So um, I was getting scared. Like, no, but but, you know, like, if we just continue this way for six months, it'll all be gone. Right. And she's like, she just says, get outside. <laughs> right? Like, go run, go lift something heavy, go, just go. And I have learned to almost just sort of like, you know, like tuck like, my tail and walk out. And I don't want to. It's the last thing I want to do. Like, I want to say, who are you to tell me to get, you know, like I want right. to just go straight at it. But I've learned every time I do that, it doesn't end well for either party. 
So now I can feel it and go, you know what? Could I'm we, go for a run. Could we continue this conversation after a run? Yeah. Right? And it fixes it every time. So I don't know what it is for you or for your listeners, but there's something there that you can just allow yourself to reset. I want to go back to that in a second, Carl, because it's so amazing. But before I do, just a very quick word from Fidelity Investments. As you all know, Her Money and conversations like these are proudly sponsored by Fidelity Investments. What if you could demand more from your money? What if you could make your savings work as hard as you do? And what if you could do all of this without rocking your relationship? It it all starts with an understanding, that transparency and awareness, as Carl was talking about, about what we own, what we owe, where our money is going, and what we want it to do for us. And from there, Fidelity can work with you to evaluate your investment options and help you find ways to grow your savings. Get started today at fidelity.com slash demand more now. Hi, everyone. I hope you are enjoying our conversation with Carl Richards. Before we get back to the interview, there is another show you might enjoy. It's called Work Life with Adam Grant from TED. You might remember Adam because he's been on our show. Each week on Work Life, he takes you inside the minds of some of the world's most unusual professionals to discover the science to making work not suck. Recent episodes explore how to deal with an office jerk, and how to turbocharge your memory skills. You can find Work Life with Adam Grant on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We are happily talking with the sketch guy, Carl Richards. Can I just tell one quick story? Tell. I sent out this note, this email to all of my readers and said, quick question, is money hard for you to talk about with your spouse or partner? And we got hundreds if not thousands of yeses, a few no's. No, it's not hard. I'm reading through them. I read every single email that comes in. I can't reply to them all, but I read them all. And I, I'm reading them, and I read one. It's like, yeah, it's, it's really hard. I always feel like there's blame. He spent too much. She spent too much. There's concern. There's worry about the future. It's really hard. Signed, the spouse. And I quickly look up at the address. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Corey. It's my wife's <laughs> email. And I remember thinking, like, the, the first response was like, I felt this sense, deep sense of imposter syndrome. Like, what? I, what I, a fraud. Like, who am I, Mr.? No, I, I talk about it in the book. In my new book, I, I have a hard time with my spouse, too. I have a hard time with Elliot because, just because sometimes we're not always aligned on our goals for life, you know, and this gets us into territory. He's newly retired. I have no interest in retirement right now. You know, that's a big differentiator and it can bring up some difficult stuff, but I have to learn to call time out on me because I'm the one who escalates. And like wants to resolve. I want to fix it. Fix it. I want to yeah. fix it right, yeah. right now. I want to make it better. And you can't, mm. you, you just, you just can't do that. Gene, I'm so interested to hijack your podcast again, but I'm not going to. Okay. Like I have so many questions about what you're about to say, but here's the thing I want to finish that story. I remember thinking like, that's the point. We've been married 23 years. We're still, we call them heated discussions. No longer fighting about money. We're having heated discussions about money. And we haven't given up. 
And that's the point. Like, I could end these heated discussions, right? Either one of us could end them right now, right? right. We just say, well, we're done. But we don't. And I think that's the, like, the, the other rule is to sort of give yourself permission to be clumsy. Understand it's like an electric fence. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that you know now won't make it less electric, but at least you'll know when you grab it that it's going to feel like that. And so I think that was, like, after reading that email, that's, it took me an hour or two to come around to that, like, wait, 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 that's kind of the point. Yeah. We can do this, and it's not an event, it's a process. Well, and I think the other point is that when you say you have trouble, and I say I have trouble, and this is what we do for a living, yeah. you know, it gives everybody else who's listening or reading permission to have trouble and understand yeah. that's fine. It's yeah. just the way it is. And, and it is. It's a process. It's right. a process. It's, it's a uh, human process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Here's what I want to do. I want to role play. I want to have a conversation. I want to take one of these conversations that often turns into a money fight for couples. And, and I want to I play it out. And I want to mm. see how it's supposed to go. So here's mm. one of your examples. It's 6 o'clock in the evening. You and your partner have both had long, busy days. You go to open the mail, top of the pile, credit card bill. And you see that I, I'll be the guilty one, you see that I have gone way over budget. Mm-hmm. What happens next? Mm. Yeah, so what nor- are we talking about what normally happens real quickly? I want to, And then yeah, dive into but, what should happen. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you, we all know what normally happens. Right, we open the American Express bill, and I'm like, "What happened, Gene? Like, why?" I had a really bad day. I Two. had, I, I just stop. I work really hard. I had a bad we day. We just talked about this. Uh, yeah, like I, it was last month. We just went through the same thing. Five hundred dollars on a dress. I mean, I love dresses, but come on. I well, first of all, I needed it. I have a big event, a big presentation. I what wasn't going to go there. The and seventeen things- other dresses in the. They've all Closet. been on Instagram before. I can't wear them again. <laughs> Stop. Okay, you win. Fine. Okay, good. that was a good idea to spend. Good job. That was, you won. No, so, so obviously those things quickly, quickly, quickly. It's like, I can't, I, you know, that's right. enough. And then like, so what about the money that you spent on those tickets bike. for yep. the concert that you didn't yeah. even take me to? Yeah, totally. Right. So that's how things normally go. What I think in this instance, the, the right solution to me is to know that to repeat that experience and expect a different result would be the definition of insanity. So what if instead of even opening it, I mean, there's two phases of this. Let's say you made the mistake and you opened it. And let's say you made the mistake and you saw the spending. And you, I am having, so in this case, we're playing, I'm the one that's the responsible one, I, which is really fun for me to pretend. Yeah. So I open it, I see, <laughs> I have the reaction. I should notice right there. And we, I think if we had a rule... Where on the, the counter where the mail goes, there's a drawer or a manila envelope, manila folder that just says money. And I just, ideally, I wouldn't even open it. I would just put that bill in there, knowing that that's a, you know, a, a trigger envelope. Mm-hmm. And we would have a scheduled time simply once a week. Like, could we just get together? And look, this is... It sounds so easy, but most people will never do this. But, but yeah, could we just have a time? And the time is at a certain... I, I love the idea of having a certain place. I like cafes that you don't really like. You know, like, so <laughs> there's no, like, like n- not some place that you, sort of has emotional resonance for right. you already. Um, a certain place and a certain time when you typically have energy. 
It's six o'clock. You're both tired. Don't even open it. Yeah. But if you do, I think it would just be great to say, if you could pull it off, call time out on yourself, slide it in the envelope, walk away. And then what do you, how do you actually have the conversation though? Well, how do you actually have the conversation and how do you actually solve the problem? Yeah. So I think the, um, the underlying solution is, well, here, let me, I, I, let's back up just a little bit. Let's pretend like you just cannot have a conversation about money. You've never been able to. Okay. To me, like, what if we just start super simple? Like one of my favorite things would be like we're out on a walk, we're out on a paddleboard, we're out at dinner, whatever, to simply say, hey, I was listening, I read Gene's new book. And it made me think, it made me think, I, what was your earliest memory of money? You share your earliest memory of money? And I say, oh, that's interesting. What play do you want to go see? Right? We just, can we just, can we just build one teeny positive experience talking about money first? Mm-hmm. Right? And so there's a whole bunch of examples of those sorts of stories. That you get out. What's the last thing you bought that was under 20 bucks that you loved? You know, like all sort of... Right. Ahead. I mean, we have those conversations about money, right? Yep. When, right? Especially women. We have those conversations. Ooh, that's beautiful. Oh, I got it on sale at this place and I will right. send you the link and you can get it too. And, yeah, yeah, but yeah. before you get it, you should go get the coupon. Like we do that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. What, what, do, what we don't do is how, you know, I'm, I'm having a little trouble understanding this investment in my 401k, or mm-hmm. I don't even mm-hmm. understand what a 401k is, or mm-hmm. I feel, you know, I just had benefits review and I don't know what to do. Like we don't, mm-hmm. we don't dig into shopping. We're comfortable with, we do mm-hmm. so much of it, right. Mm-hmm. For us, for the people in our families, what we're not comfortable with are the questions in and around investing because we feel like fish out of water. Yeah, so I think you're pointing at, there's a couple of things, like phase two to me about any of these conversations, where, whether it's a budget, a spending plan, an investment plan, has to get to, like you've got to have a, a shared common why is sort of my thing. There's got to be, I'm hesitant to use the word plan because that comes with so much weight. Mm-hmm. But if you just think like, can, I ha- can we have a shared set of guesses about where we'd like to go? To me, that like it almost feels like a game. It suggests to the mind relax. But if we haven't even had that conversation, we have no. You could think of it as like we have no baseline to compare subsequent behavior to. Yeah. Now the examples you gave were more technical in nature, and that's a completely different conversation around like, you know, just the ability to ask a question that feels like it's a dumb question, and the the this sort of embarrassment and even shame that can come around. Like I should know this, but I don't. The reality is no one does. So like get over that, but it doesn't make it any easier. But I think the first part is more important. This shared sense of like, where are we headed? Well, right. I mean, that's the dreaming part of it, right? Yeah. That's the, yeah. it, it could be next week, you know, where are we headed next week? Where are we headed next month? Where are we headed in 10 years? What do we want from our lives? And yeah. once you yeah. can get, to the what do we want from our lives, then you can back into the money, right? Then money actually becomes a tool, yeah. which it so often isn't. Right. I, I think if the, the, the challenge to our early example of the Amex bill and the dress mm-hmm. is like, well, what were we supposed to be doing? Right? Like this behavior isn't like, what were we supposed We haven't, if we can agree first on here's where in a shared way, here's where we want to go. Now you may get to the point like maybe you can only find 50% of 
what you agree on. And this other 50%, you're just going to have to let go of for a little bit. Yeah. Because it's only going to... But if we can focus on the 50%, like I think... And one of my favorite questions is Dan Sullivan's question. He has a, a book called The Dan Sullivan Question, which is simply like, Gene, if we were sitting here three years from today, what would have to happen in order for you to feel like the last three years had been a success? Like, and you can add both personally and professionally. That's Dan Sullivan's question. Any question that gets you a guess on where you want to head and you agree and almost I wish it's really hard for me to talk without drawing, right? Like we could say you're, you're here X and we draw, we guess about where Y is and we draw a line there. Mm-hmm. Then any behavior outside of that line, we have permission to discuss. Hey, I thought we agreed here. Did I miss something? And if we can do it in a way that's not shaming and blaming, we can, so hopefully the answer could be, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Like, and there's just this constant recalibration. And I, the other thing I like to think of is two circles. One, if you drew one circle on a piece of paper and you drew what I said was important to me inside the circle, just start right, what I said was important to me. And the other circle you wrote, actions. And you realize there's a gap there almost Mm -hmm. always. You can label that gap like being human. Right. And we're just going to explore that gap a little bit. Can we get those? Can we recalibrate to get our spending more aligned with what we said was important to us? Oh, messed up. Oh, that's okay. You know, oh, messed up. Okay, that's okay. Like we're just bringing those two closer. That gives us the framework to have the discussion. You talked about how you and Corey are different, how you mm. come from scarcity mindset and how she comes from this abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. And whether that's the difference that you have with your spouse, for our listeners, there there are differences, mm-hmm. right? How do we respect the fact that I am feeling this huge need for security and mm-hmm. my partner feels like money is fungible and it'll mm-hmm. it'll keep coming and and it, but I feel this need to save more at a time when he really feels like we should be investing. If there's a buy the numbers answer there, sure, right? Put the money in the market because the money in the market is going to grow, but that doesn't make me feel good. So, how do we talk about these really innate I don't even want to call them beliefs because they're not beliefs, they're needs. How mm-hmm. do we talk about these needs without them turning into a fight? Mm-hmm. Such a great question. I, and I'm, I'm, I get emotional about this conversation because I can think back to all these stories. So let me just tell you one quick story. A super good friend of mine was talking, he, his, um, he was telling me about, I mean, they were at the point where they were going to get divorced. It was about money. Okay, so the short answer is we actually ask questions and we listen. That's it. So let me tell you the story. Friend, you know, married, couple of kids. You know, this was just tearing them apart. Best friends, but this thing was just tearing them apart. His wife was always talking about wanting a new car. He'd come to me and complain, like, "Car, I don't get it." Like, like in every other area of our life, she's not worried about like big house, fancy clothes. Like, but this car thing is killing me. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Like, have you ever, you know, what's that about? So he asked one day. He just took the time to pause and say, hey, look, Corey, it wasn't me and my wife, but I'll just use our names. Like, Corey, what? I don't quite get it. Could you explain to me? Like, this seems to be really important to you. Amazing. Like, just, there must be something real. I love you. 
And there must be something really important to you. So therefore, I really would like to understand it without any shame or judgment or blame. I'm not trying to fix you. I just want to know. That's the kind of conversation they had. What, and, and he's like, I don't get it. Like, you don't care necessarily about anything else that's sort of like impress other people. So we got this huge set of assumptions going on. He's thinking one thing. She's th- and she said, oh, no, it has nothing to do with that. Like, my dad never had a reliable car growing up. The car broke down in front of the school. The car broke down out in the country. We had to walk. The car, she was like, I just, I don't mean new. I mean reliable. And the entire, like, I can feel it now, right? The yeah. entire thing shifts and he's, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I had no idea that that was what this was about. Yeah. And so the dilemma, why don't we do that? Because I can feel it now. We open ourselves up to being changed, right? We had a stake in the ground, like, we're not going to buy a new car. And now suddenly we're saying, oh. I mean, my friend, I've had this experience with Corey over and over and over, like, how much money do you want? Right. Like, which car? When? Like, how can I help? Right? So I think the paint-by-numbers version of that is, could you just stop long enough to Stephen Covey's, right? Don't seek to be understood. Seek to understand. I promise you, for every single one of those things that you're like, oh, she's always off spending money. Ah, he's always worried when he's going to run. I promise you there's something behind that. Yeah. Right? For me, it's my parents getting divorced and my mom just, I don't even know if this is true, but my impression was my mom was always like tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to be out of money. Tomorrow we're going to be out of money, right? So my wife, happy-go-lucky with money, turns out that's because she got very comfortable with risk. And it, it's, that's what's back there. Hey, it's an opportunity. So there's, I guarantee the paint-by-numbers thing would be stop, listen, ask a question. The greatest way to influence somebody is to stop trying, right, and just understand. So, Carl, tell me, how can we learn more? Where can we get into the workshop? How can we find the script? Yeah, yeah. So a couple good places to go. One would be the New York Times Guide. We did a guide to talking about money. And if you Google New York Times Guide to Talking About Money, I think you'll find it. Um, but even easier would be just to send me an email. Okay, hello, and we know you read them all. Yeah, yeah, hello at behaviorgap.com, and that's just, it's spelled the American way. Okay. I-O-R, behaviorgap.com. And just say you're interested in the Talking About Money workshop, and we'll get you to the right place. Fantastic. All right, Carl Richards, thank you so much. I had so many other questions that I wanted to ask him. Yeah, I have so many lovely takeaways from that conversation and ones that I would like to apply in my own relationship now, the timeout move. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so, so using good. that. And not just with Elliot, I'm using it with my kids. Or anyone. I, I mean, my daughter actually has learned to give herself a timeout when she feels conversations, particularly with me, <laughs> because she and I, you know, we, we push each other's sure. buttons sometimes, and she is much better than I am mm-hmm. at when she senses it's getting away from us, saying, I need a minute. Yep. I need a minute. I need to walk away. I don't want to... I need a minute. Yep. And I'm the one who's guilty of push, 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 but I'm going to try really hard, and, and with Elliot, to 
recognize my own emotions. We can apply all this information to all of our relationships, Mm -hmm. not just our romantic ones. But for me, it was really cool hearing both of you be vulnerable about your respective relationships and hearing you guys talk about it because that's something, and I don't know if you can relate to this too with your girlfriends. My girlfriends are pretty stereotypical in that we love talking about relationships. We always talk about our relationships. We'll talk about sex and all of these other factors of our respective relationships, but what we're not talking about yet are our money disputes and differences with our partners and that creates the shame that we talk about. And you two talking about it normalized it for me and the light bulb went off being like, I need to start this conversation and change my conversations with my girlfriends from getting to a place where it's like, I feel like I'm on this island if my boyfriend and I are having money disputes and I can't talk about it with anyone. Yeah, yeah, I talk about it with my girlfriends. Do you? So maybe there's an age difference there. Maybe. I don't know. I don't talk about it with all of my girlfriends. I do talk about it with my closest Mm -hmm. girlfriends. Um, And I think part of it is having gone through a divorce. I mean, when you go through a divorce, your entire financial life is just laid bare. Mm. And that, you know, I I sort of, I gave up hiding things, I think. I gave up not talking about things then. And since I've had other um, friends who have gone through a divorce or who've just had differences with their their spouses about how much support they wanted to give their kids Mm -hmm. and about how they wanted to spend their money, about how they envision retirement, Mm -hmm. which is coming much faster than any of us ever expected. And, you know, and those are all financial topics. Sure. Maybe it's with life stages and Mm -hmm. changes. So for us right now or where I'm at in my life, like the, if any conversations are more financial about our relationships, it's if and when we're moving in together and then how does that affect our rents and who's paying for what and marriage too, I guess. But I have to say, we don't get as granular or as even as honest as saying how we feel or how our partners are making us feel about Mm -hmm. our money. We're not talking about that yet. So I'm interested to hear from our listeners if you can relate to that. And I'm interested if, are they the bigger moments like divorce that really do change that? Or can we start having Having it sooner so we don't get to that point, right? right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Speaking of our listeners. Tell me what we have. We'll do a few questions. (laughs) Our first question is from Alicia. In 2018, I paid off $30,000 in credit card debt from four cards. Amazing. We need a horn. I've said this before. My credit score is 820. The annual fees on these cards total to $634 a year. Wow. One of the cards gives me access to airport lounge during business travel, making up 450 of the amount. I've decided not to use these cards anymore. How do I get out of these crazy card fees without closing the accounts and dropping my credit score? You don't. Ah. You don't. I mean, you can, first of all, you can, if you've been spending well on these cards and you've been a good customer, give them a call and see if they'll give you a freebie for the year. You should absolutely try that with the $450 card. But the solution, because your credit score is excellent and it's way above excellent. Excellent is 760 and above. You have about 60 points of wiggle room before you even venture out of excellent territory. The way to do this is to just do it slowly. So close a card and then wait six months, 
close another card, wait six months, watch what's happening with your credit all the way through. If you have other cards that you're keeping, what's happening when you close cards and the reason that it impacts your score is that you're reducing the amount of credit that you have available to you that hits the credit utilization portion of your score that's responsible for like 30% of it. It's a big deal. But one way to accommodate for it is to ask one of the cards that you're keeping for an increase in your credit line. Mm -hmm. That'll make up for it. It won't cost you anything. So that's a good solution, a good workaround, and it can happen very, very quickly. Before you close that $450 card, I would make sure that you won't spend more money on the benefits by buying them piecemeal. And the mm-hmm. only reason I say this is because I have that card yes. <laughs> and I have I have done that calculation. And for me, I decided that the airport lounge access plus the global entry plus there you know some other benefits I get actually on my card I get 10 free go go wi-fi sessions yes. a year Those are right so good. they're so good and if you wait and you use them until you're on a long flight, they're worth about $30 a pop. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, that $450 card is getting you much more in terms of benefits. So I would just make sure you know what you're using and what you're not using before you get rid of it. Because it is is an expensive card, but those are not benefits that you're going to be able to replicate without paying money for them. And that's great advice. And you outlining all of that actually motivates me to go back to my cards because I don't think I've thought about them that way, especially when it comes to travel. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in getting a card for travel that offers those types of benefits. So it sounds like I should look into this one. Okay, I'm going to pull a couple questions from our group now. And if you guys aren't in the group yet, our private Facebook group, head to Facebook. We have thousands of women in there and they're all asking questions and answering each other's questions, which is really cool. And sometimes we just go straight to the group because we feel like their questions are good ones to put on the show. So Elizabeth is wondering, quick clarification needed. If I contributed to my retirement plan with my employer, I can still contribute to my own traditional IRA, right? I was just told that I could only contribute to a Roth IRA. It is income dependent. Mm. So it depends on your income as far as whether the traditional IRA will continue to be deductible, whether you can deduct the amount that you are putting into the traditional IRA. Chances are you are over and above the limit, and that is why people are pointing you toward a Roth. Essentially, it depends on your income. So If you are already contributing to a 401k at work, you can contribute to a traditional IRA, but you may not be able to deduct your contribution to a traditional IRA. So for 2019, if you're single, um, the cap on your income for taking the deduction on a traditional IRA contribution is 64 thousand dollars. If you're married and filing jointly, it's $103,000. So that's just something to keep in mind. And in those cases, if it's not, if you're not able to deduct your contribution, you may well want to look at a Roth instead, knowing that there are income caps on that as well, but those income caps are substantially higher. 
Um, that makes sense. It is confusing, and to make matters worse, <laughs> the limits change every year. Yep. And the income levels change every year. The IRS website also changes every year. <laughs> um, they keep it up to date. It's yep. actually surprisingly good and surprisingly friendly, and you can find more information at irs.gov. Great. As we wrap up this show, let's talk about first impressions. We all know that we shouldn't judge a book by its cover, right? But what about its expressions? Here's what we know. It turns out human beings, we are really quick to judge each other based largely on how well we can mimic each other's facial expressions. This is according to an analysis in the Psychological Bulletin. Now, that may sound strange at first, but imitating one another can signify that we empathize with what the other person is saying and experiencing. And people really like that. And just keep that in mind when you're asking your partner the questions that Carl Richards was talking about. We all want to feel heard. We all want to feel understood. And when we can tell that the person with whom we're speaking is absorbed in our story, positive vibes ensue. So it's a good reminder for all especially when you're talking to your spouse, but also especially for people who are headed out on job interviews. Your body language says an awful lot. Don't be afraid to show that you're happy to meet the person. Make eye contact, laugh, nod, engage. Both of you will be very glad you did. A huge thank you to Carl Richards for the great conversation. You all couldn't see it, but he had his luggage with him. I mean, the man is headed out of town and he stopped here before he did. Thanks all of you for listening. We really appreciate it when you share this show with the people that you love and you care about. So take a minute. If you haven't done it before, think about another woman in your life that you think should be a member of the Her Money community. Just shoot her the podcast. Tell her you think she ought to subscribe. Send her a particular episode that you think will resonate with her. We also want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity, without whom we wouldn't have a show. Thank you to Catherine Heller, who is helping us produce this show today. Our music is provided by Track Tribe. Oh, and a shout out to Catherine's podcast. Catherine has a great podcast called, she's got two great podcasts. She's given me the two sign called Tell the Bartender and The Struggle Bus. So you may want to check those out as well. Our show comes to you through PRX. Join us next week. We'll be back with another great guest. We'll talk soon. 